0: Welcome back to the Minute Women Podcast. My name is Grace.
1: And I'm Linnea.
0: And today we have some very lovely guests with us. Super special, awesome guests. We have the two lovely
1: hosts, Ashley and Sarah from Rival and Queen Podcast, another podcast here at BNV Studios. Uh, So, yes, welcome them. They are here. Yay! Yay.
0: We're so excited.
1: Oh, fantastic.
0: Can you guys, like, briefly tell our audience, for those who have not listened to Rival and Queen, what Rival and Queen podcast is all about? you
1: should, because it's funny
2: and informative. (laughs) Absolutely. I can dive in. This is Sarah. Uh, Ashley and I started Rival and Queen really selfishly because we just wanted to get to know very cool people around us. And it's kind of evolved into every week we interview guests and we're all about how to become our most queenly
3: selves.
0: I love that. I love that. So where does like the name come from, by the way? I've always been curious. (laughs) We get asked that all the time.
3: (laughs) And it's honestly not a very exciting story. But I had had that name for a different business years and years ago. And when Sarah and I were developing kind of rival and queen years and years Ashley
1: Ashley looks about 25 so like years and years makes it sound yes so
3: yeah 10 years probably at least and uh I just told her this random name that I had for a business back then and she was like I love it and then we just went with it the dot-coms were available the social handles were all available and like Sarah just kind of said that we've kind of taken the life of what the name is into what we wanted the podcast to be just yeah. naturally, which is kind of like taking on those things and becoming our best selves, which is
0: our, our most queenly selves. Queen. Yes. Love that. Because, yeah, whenever yeah. I heard the name, I was like, I wonder if there's like a backstory where they used to like beef all the time. Yeah. And they were like arch nemesis, And now they're like queens, <laughs> queens. together.
3: Yeah. And, that, and that, that would be that would be amazing. That's a good thought. And also just like what it's like to be. Other than Sarah and I, like who else is out there? What it's like to be them? What are their stories? Like Sarah and I just want to know what it's like to be other people and in other careers. So that's awesome. That's so
2: cool. I love that. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, I also love that you guys came up with that idea for the name, because I feel like so because <laughs> of the name, I feel like so many people come up with their own backstories and I kind of just love hearing them. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's Grace. It was it was all Grace. It's all everything is Grace. Um, but uh,
0: but it's because I just don't have a life outside this podcast.
1: She's an academic who who right now is unemployed. So yeah. so this is her baby. That's all I got. Um, but uh, yeah, it's been yeah
0: the best experience for sure. So, do you guys have a favorite heritage minute? Yeah.
2: Oh my gosh, (laughs) Sarah (laughs) does. I think we all. I love the Molly Johnson one when the Irish don't we all all.
0: good so good don't we all Irish orphans
1: hilarious (laughs) tidbit. So we we've done that episode and we made fun of it because the last little girl, it's like she just kind of mumbles like they're all saying their names and then she's like, but you don't know what she says. But I looked at the IMDB page Mm -hmm. and it's just like smallest orphan. It
0: doesn't have her name.
1: (laughs) And I was like, oh, that's so funny. So yeah, she's just (laughs) smallest orphan.
0: (laughs) I think the closed captioning puts her name as like Kathleen Ryan. But it's like, that's
1: not what she says. No, that's not what she says. So that is definitely a very solid choice. That is a (laughs) great choice. Yeah. It's are so you, interesting.
3: Some of them are so disturbing, too, when you think back to them. Oh like, yeah. did this really happen? This yeah. is terrible. Or,
0: like, you just think, like, who thought it, this was a good idea to, like, produce this and, like, put it yep. out to the public? Yep. And you're both, just confirming, I believe you are, but
1: you're both Canadian?
0: Yeah. Both born and yes. raised in Canada? Yeah. Very cool. So you saw these as children? We've, like we've we had we someone on who had never even heard of Heritage Minutes yeah. before. What? So we had to, like... The How first, were they uh it's it's <laughs> reese of the canadian politics is boring podcast so he's from wales originally and yeah. so the, he only moved here like two years ago and the po- that episode we did gray owl and so we watched gray owl with him and that was like the first time he'd ever seen a heritage minute yeah
1: <laughs> yeah he popped we we popped his heritage minute sherry yeah so, uh, but yeah. uh yeah but uh what are we doing today grace i don't know Wait, so, uh, i'm just like you what
2: can I just interrupt you guys for a sec please. because I actually want to know Ashley's heritage minute. Oh yeah, 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 yeah please.
1: Oh yeah. So two are coming to
3: my like immediate thought is the Dr. Penfield burnt toast one. Okay, yes. he is also sexy.
1: <laughs> like the I don't know, man. he is a beautiful man. Look up Dr. Penfield University. He played football okay. at McGill. Oof. Uh, it was at. But do you like, know what's funny? Princeton. is Everyone knows that.
3: Like you, who hasn't smelled bird toast, or smelled something, <laughs> and remembered that moment to be like, and I like laughed
1: and been like, yeah, oh, or are you just like, yeah, oh. <laughs> yeah. <Yes. laughs> so, and
3: funny. what's your other
1: one? uh I really like the basketball one, mm-hmm. but I can't remember. You know, Maysmith, when they the whole yeah. the basket Yeah, like that That's That's one's definitely one. iconic. Super iconic. Yeah, I would say it's yeah one of the most one of the ones people would definitely rattle off first on their yeah, list of heritage. Yeah, for modes. sure.
0: And it's, yeah. it's a really, like, he's kind of a funny guy, James Naismith. So. Yeah.
1: Looked a lot like Teddy Roosevelt. Looks a lot like Teddy Roosevelt.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But speaking of Naismith, that's an excellent segue to the Heritage Minute we're going to do today. Oh. Because I figured, because oh. we have assembled this team of badass ladies yeah. for our Heritage Minute, we are going to do a very new Heritage Minute, which is the Edmonton Grads. Yeah. Have you seen this Heritage Minute? So no. they're, like, the most prolific women's basketball team ever. And they were based out of Edmonton in the 1920s to 40s. Yep. And they were virtually undefeated during that time, that stretch of time, yep. on both, like, a national and an international scale.
1: It was very uh, League of Their Own. Like the, <laughs> yeah. like, the movie, like, they had to wear little skirts and, like, yeah, it was, yeah.
0: yeah, yeah. And so it's just these, like, girls in Edmonton, they, are, they tend to be, like... 18 to 25 mm. and it's like out of time when you retire from basketball when you get married kind of thing. Yeah, like, yeah. so oh it's gosh. just these mm. girls but they were like statistically the best basketball team ever like uh, men's women's doesn't matter so just statistics wise yeah, yeah. so we're That's gonna so cool. we're gonna dive into the history of the Edmonton grads well I'm
1: excited amazing ready do
0: you guys like sports is this are you like a sports? viewers.
1: It's okay if you hate sports. <laughs> I like sports. I love, I play basketball. Okay. I'm into it. There you go.
3: I
0: actually
1: love
2: sports. I'm okay with sports. Okay.
1: okay. <laughs> Alright, that's fair. We, uh, we fair love... As a baseball fan. We love sports. We love baseball. We especially love sports movies because there are always men who are vulnerable and yeah. we love a vulnerable
0: man <laughs> yeah.
1: emotionally available men uh, yeah, emotionally available men are, being are emotional t-
0: with other men yeah oh I, the yeah
1: bum touches best part about
0: sports <laughs> <laughs> Tight men, <laughs> t- pants and bum touches uh, right mark are you guys
1: single uh, i am um, i'm not recently, recently very
3: recently though. yeah Okay, I, yeah. well, I just really liked
0: your enthusiasm around. How about the bum touches? <laughs> oh, the we just, quarantine was a hard time yeah. for a lot of us. The yeah. last dance got me oh. through in a lot of ways. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> Thank you, Michael Jordan. Thank you to Michael Jordan. Uh, really, I'm a Larry Bird girl. Oh, but yeah. Who's to say? Um, yes. When we started this podcast, I was in a relationship and Grace was single, and now we've role reversed. We've so, uh, switched. Yeah. We've switched. up. Mark's still single, so some things never change, but uh, <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> Oof. So... The story of the Edmonton grads begins in the early 20th century. So basketball was a relatively young sport at the time. James Naismith invented the sport in Springfield, Massachusetts, while working at the YMCA International Training School as a game the male students could play indoors during times of inclement weather. So the invention of basketball was very much out of necessity. Just for rainy days. (laughs) They can't go outside in the cold, so we need something else for them to do. Like most sports, it was originally intended for male players. However, it wasn't long before women were taking the basketball court. By the late 1890s, young women were playing basketball in high schools, universities, and YWCAs. Women had also established basketball clubs like the Ladies' Basketball Club of Toronto. Very cool. The first girls high school basketball team in Alberta was founded in 1904. A decade later in 1914, a girls basketball team was formed at McDougall Commercial High School. The lead on this project and the team's coach was the school's 25-year-old commercial training teacher, John Percy Page. So, Percy was born in Rochester, New York, the son of ah, a New Yorker. A New Yorker. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We love accents love here at minute one. <laughs> yeah, we yeah. love we love failing at abs- yeah. accents. Yeah. <laughs>
2: We're with you guys. We we love a good accent.
0: So he lives in New York until his family moved to Bronte, Ontario in 1890. He attended Oakville Junior High School, Hamilton Collegiate Institute, uh, Ontario Normal School, and Queen's University. So he's a highly educated man. Unless he's dropping out of all these schools. I was going to say, and at
1: the bougiest schools, like Queen's and Oakville. Oakville is still, like, that's the preppy school in Ontario. The junior high? That athletic people come to. Uh, Yeah, from so there's now an Oakville. So Oakville's a place, and so there's now, like, a high school. And so most of uh, the Ontario folks who came to Acadia to play sports went to Oakville.
0: It's just funny to me at a junior high level, not to say that, like, I know this does happen, Mm. especially in high, uh, like in athletic programs, but like you going up to an 11 year old and being like, we need you like recruiting (laughs) an 11 year old. What do you give them? Like, we will give you a Hot Wheels bed if you
3: come (laughs) to our school. Extra, extra candy. (laughs)
0: Yeah. You will be given extra candy and longer time to nap than the other children. Oh, that sounds extra recess. I, that could get me to be honest. Just
1: like I, I more nap time. <laughs> you mean you mean I can have a have a nap? I can have a nap. I don't have to work at the factory. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> so in 1906, he accepted a teaching position at Rothsay Collegiate in Rothsay, New Brunswick. In 1907, he switched to the St. Thomas Collegiate Institute, where he taught until 1912. In 1910, Percy married Maud Roche and they had a daughter, Gilbert, which is just a sin. Like, don't name girls Gilbert. Gilbert!
1: Oh Gilly. The only person I know that's named a terrible
0: name. For yeah, a girl. The, so oh. the only
1: person I know named Gilbert is a man, but he for his entire life has gone by Bubby. Bubby! <laughs> because it's better Bubby than Gilbert, yeah. Is that better? Yeah, I, I don't know. I <laughs> think that's a terrible <laughs> name. He's such a man. he's a Bubby. <laughs>
0: I just think of, like, Anne of Green Gables.
1: Yeah, Gilbert. Oh, my
3: gosh. I mean, I guess that's just the times. Those were the names. They'll come back. for a girl.
1: Maybe maybe she was, like, a Jilly. Maybe they, like, softened it. Gilbert. Gilbert.
0: (laughs) That's almost (laughs) just as bad. (laughs) That's funny. So, um, oh, wait. I messed it up. That's okay. The daughter's name isn't Gilbert, I lied.
2: (laughs) That makes a lot more sense. So that makes so much their
0: daughter's name is Patricia.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That was that
0: was his father in law's name.
1: I was like, i really, Grace. You wrote this. I know, and
0: I was misreading what I wrote. And we're throwing so much shade at
1: uh, poor
3: Gilbert.
0: I love it. Okay, Patricia, Patricia, Patty. who from now on will be known as Gilbert, um, was their Gilbert. daughter or Gilbert. <laughs> okay. So in 1912, Percy took a p- position in Edmonton to introduce commercial training into Edmonton high schools. When Percy decided to organize basketball teams for the school, his teaching assistant chose to coach the boys' team, so Percy was left to coach the girls' team. Um, Despite only having a basic knowledge of basketball, Percy improved his understanding of the sport through study. He held practices twice weekly. The high school had no gym, so the students practiced basketball on an outdoor court throughout the year, even during the frigid Edmonton winters. Which Ooh. is super funny, because that's er. the reason basketball is invented, yeah. is so you can play something to inside. play it inside. <laughs> On a court. Inside. Just imagine parkas outside in Edmonton playing basketball. Ugh. They were running w- on ice. So cold. They were in like full wool outfits. I don't even, like, I assume the balls would be leather at this point. So, like, yeah. It probably doesn't even dribble that much. No. Like, <laughs> there's a lot of like mm. key features of basketball that I think and are very p- difficult to achieve outside. Probably also not like <laughs> an
1: asphalt paved court.
0: No, it's probably just dirt. Yeah. <laughs> They're probably just like mm-hmm. no dribbling.
1: No, no we'll, dribbling.
0: We'll play basketball. Just but passing. don't dribble. Just, just passing.
1: passing. <laughs>
3: And also, you know when you get a ball in the hand the wrong way, it kind of hits your finger, or you yeah. catch it not. Oh perfectly. my gosh! Yeah, like yeah. it kind of hurts. So imagine yeah. if your hands were frozen.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh. Like,
3: <laughs> you know what? That's that's a true. Can, those are true Canadians, right yeah. there.
1: Playing basketball all year round. Yeah. They're they're national <laughs>
0: heroes. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's
1: why the boys had to play in the gym because they couldn't possibly play outside in those frigid Edmonton winters. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So, funny. so all the girls on Percy's teams were in the senior year of high school. So by mid-1915, they were all set to graduate. However, the girls still wanted to play and decided to establish a basketball club that was eventually called the Commercial Graduates Basketball Club, affectionately shorted to the grads or the Edmonton grads. So that's mm-hmm. where the name comes from. It's mm-hmm. the initial team. They're like the graduating class from this high school. All right. The girls convinced Percy to remain their coach. Members of the club were largely recruited from the McDougal High School, but also from other business and technical schools. Percy decided um, that he was going to establish a feeder system to train and recruit his new players, promising high school students would be invited to join the secondary team called the gradettes, and then (sighs) the best gradettes would be promoted to the grads whenever a space would open up. So, like... He goes from not being that interested in basketball, basketball. to setting up a whole feeder system yeah. to support his amateur women's basketball he team. He doesn't have a team. He has
1: a he is like, I, I guess, like an institution of basketball.
0: Yeah. Like yeah. he he establishes this whole system to make sure that it's sustainable. Yeah. Um, it's business. Which is like nice I, he's totally like he's such a dad figure in my brain yeah. like he's like he goes from having no interest in it to like fully throwing himself into it <laughs> it's his whole life it's all consuming do we know if patty ever played basketball
2: good question Is i don't know for her
0: i don't know i don't know if she did mm-hmm. i have a feeling given his level of education she wouldn't have gone to a commercial high like, she might have played basketball, but I don't think she played for the Edmonton grads. She probably right. went to an academic school. She went
1: to, a, like, a, a better school for the time. Yeah, so this yeah. would be a school
0: <laughs> where you go and get, like, like you train to be a mechanic. For women, I don't know what the... Probably,
1: like, secretarial a, and yeah, um, like stuff like
0: that. Something that would put you in a in yeah. a good position to have a job at the end yeah. of it. Um, More
1: like vocational school. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: It's a vocational school. Yeah. So, Percy either coached or supervised all the teams, and his influence on the grads was clear. Quote, you must play basketball, think basketball, and dream basketball. That was um, his mantra.
1: That basketball was like a basketball to me. That's uh, that's from uh, Basketball Jones, Mark. Do you know that? Basketball Jones, Chris Rock.
0: Okay, uh, Mark, <laughs> yes, Mark, Mark knows does. what I'm talking about. <laughs> that's a very good quote, and that that is... It's the song
1: he's singing about how much he loves basketball. And he's like, I love that basketball. That basketball was like a basketball to me. (laughs) (laughs) I
0: like that. Oh, it's funny. (laughs) So the grads continued to practice twice a week, usually on Mondays and Thursdays. And they would do this from September to June. As the players also worked full time, practices were usually held in the evenings from 8 to 9.30 p.m. The grads and gradettes usually practiced together, either working on drills or uh, simulating game situations. Percy and his assistant coaches emphasized accuracy and teamwork. Consequently, the grads were known for their short passing game. After the grads switched to playing men's rules in 1923, they also practiced against the boy grads in the lead up to big games. That's cool. Yeah. So women's mm-hmm. rules, I think the only difference is you play with six people on the court instead of five.
1: Right. Right. Um, oh, oh! And it was, Ooh, I never knew that. And women, the women's rules are the foul line is different.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Like yeah. at this era, right? <laughs> like, women's basketball today, you play with five people. Yeah, but like during this era of it, anyways, you would have six people on the court. Yeah. Percy expected discipline, sportsmanship, and ladylike behavior from his players, although he did not require adherence to a specific code of conduct. Um, his slogan was "Ladies first, basketball players second. So, it <laughs> okay. Okay. I don't know how I feel about that. It's I will say it's not said in a misogynistic way. It's meant like <laughs> like if you're not being a good person, right. you're not going to be allowed on the team. Right, okay. So it, it is very much like you have to be respectable in public. You have to be, like, nice right. to your opponents.
3: But did they say this to the guys, do you think? You have to be a gentleman first and then a basketball player second.
0: Well, they're not his team. <laughs> yeah, so they're I do not know
1: teams. This is how he runs his teams. I but feel like yeah. that
2: wasn't the era. I think you're pushing the wishes for the 1920s. Yeah,
0: potentially. <laughs> <laughs> Though I do mm-hmm. think, like, a lot of sports clubs during this time – they're viewed as ways to distinguish yourself from lower classes. And right. so they like if you have the finances to be a part of these clubs and associations, then there would be a very strict code of conduct that you have to follow yeah. because it signals to the rest of the group that you're on the inside. Kind like, of like a country know, club. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like you know you're not supposed to wear white after Labor Day. That means like you're one of yeah. us. You know the like the secret rules that we have. Yeah. Um, and so I don't think It's until sports becomes like this huge profit machine that you start to see people being like, oh, actually, we don't care about class. We don't care about race. We don't care about this stuff. We just want people who are really, really good. Yeah, Um,
1: which really didn't become a huge breakthrough until like the 60s.
0: Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. So
1: 50s, 60s, like 1950s, 1960s when people were breaking color barriers and it was.
0: Yeah. So I don't know if it's a good thing, but I don't think it's necessarily misogynistic. (laughs) It's
3: (laughs) When you think about hockey, my brother played growing up, my husband coaches. And to a certain age, you always had to show up with like a tie on and a shirt on. And that was kind of like your exterior appearance as someone that was on this team. So I can understand kind of why they want to associate. I I think some of the sporty, like NBA, dropped that they don't have a dress code anymore. But I think the NBA they don't have yeah. a dress
1: code. But my high school did, and I believe still does. Like for all games, if you were a varsity player, you had to wear like dress. You'd wear formal wear um, the on game days at school that day. Yeah, interesting. And
3: um, <laughs> <laughs> what yeah. was the we formal? wear, come wear in like. your come <laughs> in your best blazer. Yeah, yeah. No boys
1: a had team. to wear boys had to wear a shirt and tie. And uh, wow. like very Coach Carter,
0: very Coach Carter, and uh, so all the
1: hockey boys and all the basketball boys, and then the girls. We uh, just it had to be formal. It was a bit more lax for girls, um, but just like most girls, just wear like dresses or like tights right. or like. But there were some some girls who would like wear like shirts and ties. Just, right. Yeah. So
3: everyone in the school knew exactly who the people were that played
1: for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, and I went to a big high school. Yeah, yeah,
0: and I think it's also like in the high school setting especially, it's the thing that, like, parents would allow their girls to go play basketball would be, oh, it's going to build character. Yeah. And I think that's the same for, like, men's sports as well, though maybe in a different way. Like, mm. it's like, oh, they'll go do this, they'll be, like, disciplined and stuff, and then, you yeah. know, they'll carry that with them the rest of their life, which is, like, I don't know, the same reason people do sports today.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: <laughs> Except you just, like, being an idiot most of the time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> As they were respectable working women, Percy expected them to behave as such, dressing appropriately and avoiding smoking, drinking, and disreputable company. Sex. Yeah, you know, don't do it. In public, at least. (laughs) (laughs) Which I am in agree with
1: today, you know?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Just, like, don't have sex in public. Mark isn't fully in disagreement, apparently. (laughs) We gotta...
3: I mean, at least if you're going to, just make sure no one can see you.
0: Right. Yeah. Don't do it in downtown Edmonton. Yeah. (laughs) Or, yeah, on the basketball court. (laughs) court. (laughs) Or on the (laughs) basketball court. Yeah. Keep it to the bedroom. I mean,
3: these people, they're pretty young, like.
0: Yeah, yeah, they're like 18 to 25. Yeah. So, you know, mixed bag. <laughs> yeah. Mixed bag of nuts. Percy and his <laughs> wife, Maude, who acted as team chaperone, formed a family with the players. And most of the players would refer to Percy as Papa Page.
1: Oh, my God.
2: <laughs> He's really stepping into the dad role. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I love that.
0: This closeness may have helped to explain both the team's success and the fact that there was so little turnover of players. (gasps) So the team really succeeds because there's such a continuity and the girls come back every year. Right. Uh, Players generally resigned from the team when they got married, although not all of them did.
1: Boss ass bitches. (laughs) They're boss
0: ass bitches. They're like, (laughs) listen, yeah, we're going to get married, but also... My girls need me on the court. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta play. <laughs> My gals first. You second. Yeah. Ladies first. Ladies first. <laughs>
1: Basketball second. Men third. Know <laughs> yeah, where you stand.
0: Love of the game. Sometimes sometimes love of the
1: game.
3: How, sometimes that's how Jeff feels when I'm like, well, I want to hang out with Sarah. Over <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Girls first, always.
0: Yeah. The first McDougal commercial high school team, which was in 1914, comprised forwards Nellie Batston and Ella Osborne, centers Ethel Anderson and Mary Bremner, and guards Geraldine Reed and Iola Mitchell. Iola Mitchell.
1: Bremner. That's like a so sure name. Ooh, maybe you have a connection. Oh.
0: Well, we'll have to do the... That's the Lunenburg game. It's like <laughs> it's my whenever game to play. <laughs> we meet new people, Linnea does the like... Two degrees separation of yep. how she knows literally everyone in Halifax. <laughs> I can do it.
1: Do you sail? <laughs> do you golf? Do you
0: curl? Those are three entryways. <laughs> I got Did you, you go to Acadia? Did you go to Acadia?
1: <laughs> do you have family in Lunenburg?
0: We'll have to play this game when we're on Rivaling we have, Queen. Yeah, when maybe. we have more
1: time. Ooh. No, we like your we game that. that you guys played yeah. the end. Your fun game.
2: Oh yeah, yeah we'll we'll play Queen Queenie Ramps with you. Yes. Okay. We, e! we can do that and the Lunenburg. Connection. Got The
0: Lunenburg Connection. <laughs> 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 okay. Between 1917 and 1922, when the team won its first national championship, a number of players came and went. Most of these players are not recognized among the official 38 members of the Edmonton grads, uh, which only comprises the team after 1922. And that's when they became not a okay. high school team anymore. They were like a club team. They were just a club mm-hmm. team. Yeah. Yeah. In 1915, the grads defeated women's basketball teams across Alberta to become provincial champions. Teams were allowed to challenge the title holders to a match at any time during the year, with a three-month wait between rematches if defeated and the grads successfully held onto their trophy for the next several years. So it's kind of like, like wrestling or boxing where you just like challenge the title holder. You challenge
1: the title. (laughs) Yeah. There's no tournaments. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
0: That's crazy. It's just like, meet me on the court. (laughs) We challenge you. Instead they write a letter. To it's whom on. it may concern.
1: To whom it may concern. We'd like to meet you on the basketball court to play a game of basketball. 6 p.m. <laughs> Be there.
3: <laughs> yeah. We'll steal your lunch. And then they need to get a letter back. Yeah. in beautiful cursive sense. writing.
1: Yeah. I don't yeah. know. Well, we had a, we had a, not teleportation, uh, <laughs> telegrams at this point.
0: Yeah. Oh, there were, telegrams. there <laughs> were phone calls
1: at this point. Oh. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> we're good. Do we know how many teams there were in Alberta?
0: Uh, I don't know how many teams there would have been across Alberta. I can't imagine that many.
2: I wouldn't imagine. I'm um, just curious about how many challenges there are every year.
0: They would get challenged yeah. pretty regularly, like, throughout the school year. So, I yeah. like, usually they would have, like, I think mm, by the end I'll have, like, a total stat of, like, how many games they played total. But it's in, like, mm-hmm. the 200s. Um of like oh. the team's whole like existence, so that'd be Other like
3: teams just keep coming back for more. and abs- they keep losing. Yeah, and
0: they losing. they just keep coming back for more, and they just keep losing. Yeah, there actually
1: a uh, a sweet, lovely old old lady, Grandma Lee, who uh-huh. lived down the road from my dad. Um, I used to go to her house to eat jelly beans. Um, <laughs> she is from Nova Scotia, but played but went to university in Toronto mm. and she played against the Edmonton Grats. So oh, was, really? So she was a kind of a basketball wow. phenom Did from Nova lose? Scotia. I don't know, but she had pictures and that's the first time I had cool. ever heard of the of the um, Edmonton Grats. So she had like a huge collection of photos of her Uh, playing basketball sweet and yeah so that was like the first time i'd ever heard about it
0: but speaking of challengers uh in the year 1917 they had such a reputation of being so good that no one challenged them so for the year 1917 they were they would play games but they weren't ever challenged for the trophy
1: right which is exhibition
0: style yeah they they, they're like number one they're just like don't even try yeah they are badasses i love that on April 27, 1919, the University of Alberta varsity team challenged the grads, winning the match by two points and taking the trophy. In November mm-hmm. of that year, the grads had a rematch and successfully regained their title as provincial champions. The University of Alberta challenged the grads again in April 1920, but lost the match in um, And they ultimately demanded another game, complaining that the grads had improperly allowed a younger high school aged player on their team. After another game, the grads lost their title to their rivals once again. So the University of Alberta, which is a university team, not a high school team, that's like their biggest rival. And also, the university team is like, you allowed someone too young on the team. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's like, that's, that's like, if anything, a hindrance. That's what I was thinking. Yeah.
3: Why does it matter that they're that underage? Like, it's not like they're
0: 40 or something. No, uh, yeah. 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 I don't know. <laughs> I don't like the University of Alberta women's basketball yeah. team. I'm over them. They're canceled. Ooh. I don't like them. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know
1: about them before this podcast. I don't like them and now. I don't like them now. <laughs>
0: In 1922, the Edmonton grads won their first national championship, defeating the London Shamrocks, the Eastern champions from London, Ontario, in two games with a combined score of 49-29. So that's, they're also low-scoring what? games. <laughs> okay. But the, oh. the, the way that they, like, do little tournaments like this, so this was, like, it, it's not best of three. Okay. You play two games and you have a combined total score and if your combined total score is higher, that means you win. That's so, so weird. So you could lose the first game, weird. but as long as you score high and then score high in the next one, you could just win the whole thing. But you could also win both games and lose. No, you'd have to win at least one of them because you have to have more points than them total. But, like... Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I see what you're saying. Math. Oof. there's <laughs> also <so> six,
3: <laughs> There's also 12 people, like six gals on each team and like yeah. wouldn't five, the scores yeah. be high,
0: in higher in a single game you're gonna score like 10 points yeah that's That'd be be terrible one. to watch so boring so the past so is so passing. boring passing oh, the
1: ball around that's the one thing we'll tell you about the past
0: everybody we're talking about is dead inside.
1: and it's boring
0: But like for these girls, this is fast paced. They're like, this game is so fast paced. All I've ever seen is a lawnmower drive by. (laughs) Like this is the most like mind boggling experience. This is crazy. This is crazy. (laughs) So within this little tournament, the first game was played according to women's rules. So six players. And the second game was played according to men's rules with five players. Okay. Until this point, the grads had only ever played with women's rules, although they had adopted the less restrictive men's rules um, the next year. So the next year, they're going to make the switch. Um, They easily won the first match 41-8 using women's rules.
2: Wow. (laughs) Blew them out of the water. Yeah.
0: While the Shamrocks, who favored men's rules, won the second match 21-8. Um, However, the grad's overall score was higher, which clinched them the championship. And they would successfully defend their national title until the team disbanded in 1940. So (gasps) they never lost a national championship. Okay, okay. Like, why Mm -hmm. have it?
1: So I don't I'm not accusing you of not being intelligent. But is this the number of baskets (laughs) or the number of points?
0: This is well, (laughs) I don't know how they score
1: okay because i'm
0: just wondering just because it could be really low because i'm
1: just saying yeah is that like they had that many baskets so it would be double i don't know
0: it potentially (laughs) i don't know when they double the score also i don't really know why they do that in basketball anyways other than having the the foul points i guess but
1: i suppose yeah yeah.
0: if Uh, they didn't have foul points then i'd say this is probably just the single like one basket is one point maybe
1: right that would make sense because the
0: three-point line doesn't exist yet exactly
2: so when did that? Oh yeah, that didn't exist. How do you know these things? We know things. sports. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the the NBA invented the three point line because they were like basketball is getting boring. Yeah, let's throw this in in like the seventies. I, I think heard it heard.
1: was it was it was the seventies and it didn't go to college for a while. Yeah, yeah, it was just it's, like the it is NBA. Arbitrary. It's it was weird to be like entertaining. So it used to just yeah. be two points from everywhere and one point from the foul line if you're making a foul shot.
0: But
1: yeah, I love this fact that I'm learning about basketball. <laughs>
2: <laughs> It'll serve me well for trivia. Yeah, Ooh. <laughs>
1: if I, you want to win trivia, we're your girls. We I have got, very niche. I believe that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Grace has history. I have pop culture. Pop culture together we have sports. Together we have sports.
0: <laughs> With our powers combined, <laughs> we are as. Kind of (laughs) decent trivia team. We're mediocre (laughs) at best. Megazord it up! We'll have a trivia team.
3: (laughs) Sarah and I probably know a lot of other random facts, but when it comes to history, you You guys—you guys (laughs) win.
1: It's not me. I know nothing. I am a community (laughs) development
0: major.
3: Whatever that is. I, I have none, so <laughs> no degrees.
2: A, we're all
0: smart people in this room. Let's, I'm let's, very bad at trivia, though,
2: so don't ever recruit me.
0: <laughs> so a year after winning their first national championship, the grads competed for the first Underwood Trophy, which was like the world championship competition um, between American and Canadian teams because those were the only places at the time with teams. <laughs> <laughs> their opponents the cleveland favorite knits <laughs> what i don't what? know what i have, I have no favorite idea knits? i have no idea this is my like favorite, your favorite knit. yes yes, yes with a k so. yeah, yeah. yeah what
1: mean i have no clue i guess it's like <laughs> yeah your favorite sweater
0: <laughs> So, I, I guess like the thing that makes them different is that they wear shorts. Oh. So, like the Cleveland favorite knits, they wear shorts and jerseys, whereas the grads, they still wear skirts, like they a kilt still situation. Wear and like this is what the Heritage Minute is about. So, the, the Heritage Minute
1: <gasps> that yes. it
0: takes place during this game. So, this is their moment. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, the favorite knits, when they show up, they're already wearing shorts that says World Champs on them, which. <gasps> No, 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 no. No. You don't, you don't do that to the Edmonton grads. Excuse me? I know, like, the gall. Who do these ladies think that they are? I, so, like, this, when I read that, like, I'm a huge New England Patriots fan. (laughs) And in uh, 2003, they went, they played, or I think it's 2004, whatever. They played the Eastern Conference Championship or the the, um, American League Championship against the uh, Steelers and the Steelers had already like packed their bags. They had like already like organized all their bags so they could just leave immediately and go to like Orlando where the Super Bowl was. And they were like, oh no, you don't, you don't do that. Like if you need to fuel a fire, like a competitive fire, why would you do that? Like We will crush you. We will crush you. But like same with these girls. They've never lost, and you're showing up to their game wearing that you're already gonna win.
1: I don't like those girls. Talk about a target on
0: your back. (laughs) On your
1: butt. On your butt. I
0: don't know if they'd allow that in the nineteen twenties. To have like Gucci written on your butt. It was probably (laughs) No,
1: no, only Gucci. They'd allow anything else, just not Gucci.
0: Juicy? Juicy. <laughs> Velour oh, tracksuits suit, juicy sweatsuits <laughs> um, This confidence was misplaced, however <laughs> The Edmonton grads played two games against the Cleveland team Defeating them with a combined score of 53-33 Over the next 17 years, the grads defeated their uh, title against numerous challengers Winning most of their matches In their 25th and final season, they received the Underwood International Trophy as a permanent possession they were so dominant that when the team retired, they were just like, just just have it.
1: That's <laughs> like the, That's like the Blue Nose. They ended up just like basically when fishing schooners like stopped being a thing and trawlers yeah. were all that was used, they just like gave the Blue Nose all the trophies and were like, you can just have just it. Just keep them. <laughs> really? Just keep them. Yeah. Just keep them.
0: <laughs> I mean, it would be weird for any other team where it's just like, "Oh wow, did you win this trophy?" It's like not very much, as you can see <laughs> on these <laughs> plaques that we have. It mostly says Edmonton grads. Yeah. But they just uh, they just let us keep them <laughs> as a reminder <laughs> that we're <to> losers. <laughs> just remember us. <laughs>
3: <laughs> oh, that's funny.
0: The grads retained their amateur status to make sure they would be eligible for the Olympics if basketball was made an official sport of the Olympics. So they never want to go pro because they really want to go to the Olympics, which I think is really sweet. That's so sweet. In 1924, the grads were invited to play at the Summer Olympics in Paris. They won every game, defeating women's teams from Paris, Roubaix, Strasbourg, and Lille with an average score of 60 to 10.
2: (laughs) Okay. Wow. <laughs> Damn, they were now, like, "Yeah,
3: this
0: is amazing. big." Girls are fire. <laughs> After their final match, the team traveled through Europe on holiday. That oh, was fun. <laughs> Percy and two of his players, Winnie Martin and Daisy Johnson, returned to Paris for the third Congress of the Fédération Sportive Féminine Internationale. Uh, the Federation formally admitted Canada as a member and declared the grads world basketball champions, permitting the team to hold the title until the next World Games.
1: So cool.
0: So they were just like, basketball isn't, it's just an exhibition sport during this time at the Olympics. But they were so good that they were like, yeah, you guys, you did it. Good yeah. job. <laughs> Qu- winners. <laughs> By committee, we've decided you're the best. We just think
1: you're really good. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and we're not going to argue that you're really good. Sports are so bureaucratic <laughs> during this period of time. Oh,
1: Sports are still bureaucratic. <laughs> totally.
0: Returning home as world champions, the grads gained new sponsors and financial support in Canada. Percy secured the Edmonton Arena as a permanent home venue for the team. Although the grads yeah. were hopeful of returning to Europe... For the Women's World Games in 1926, basketball was not included in that year's event, and the grads remained in North America to compete against Canadian and American teams. Mm -hmm. Over the next two years, the grads advocated for the inclusion of basketball, both men's and women's, as a sport in the 1928 Summer Olympics. Despite the support from the Canadian Olympic Committee, this request was denied by the International Olympic Committee, and basketball did not receive a place on the program. However, the Fédération Sporte Féminine Internationale had organized a European women's basketball tour in cooperation with the Olympics, and the Federation invited the grads to travel to Amsterdam, Netherlands, to defend their world title. Which is also, like, these are just, like, girls from Edmonton. It's a pretty big deal. Like, you know, like, most of them went to this, like, yeah, like, vocational high school. And you gotta imagine that this is, like, the chance of a lifetime to just, like, travel Mm -hmm. around Europe. That's cool. On... I don't know if they're paying their way or not, but I imagine like they get help to like do all this stuff. Oh yeah, you'd assume you and all your no, best buddies so. get to travel through Europe. You and your gals, you gal pals, uh, <laughs> girls vacation and, and,
3: and crush all the other teams.
0: Yeah, yeah, like I gotta imagine for them, it's like oh, these European teams Pfft, afterthought, like, right? I'm going to Amsterdam. I'm going to go see whatever. I'm just picturing them
1: in little summer dresses on like little bicycles.
0: Yeah.
1: Just in Europe. Ta-ta-ta. Yeah. They're
3: probably like, where's Edmonton? Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's just like, where are you guys from? Yeah. Like,
0: Canada, but Edmonton. Canada,
1: it's far.
0: Yeah. You guys ride on polar bears, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Basketball on the backs of polar bears. <laughs> it's like polo. Where you yeah. ride the horse, uh-huh. but it's yes. basketball and it's on polar bears. But
1: the nets are actually just
0: <laughs> m- moose,
1: and the nets are
0: moose. there's a moose yeah. with a net on its like antlers, and it runs around. That's why they had to do it outside. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you can't bring moose inside the gym. No, you can't. <laughs> it's oh danger. My God. <laughs> So uh, the the grads succeed in defending their world title, so they're world champions again in 1928. Um, They played nine matches, and they won every match, beating most teams by 60 or 70 points. (laughs) So it's, like, not even a competition. Um, And then they finished their tour by defeating the French champions uh, 46 to 14 in addition to dominating their sport in North America, the grads took the best uh, European teams, ultimately defeating challengers in Paris, London, Amsterdam, and Berlin. The grads swept four consecutive Olympic games, so they would also return in thirty-two and thirty-six and win all of That's those.
1: That's awesome! And I didn't know that
0: that they were like, like Oli- that they
1: were that good. Yeah, like, like
0: they're not official Olympic medals, so right. they're not like recognized as such. But in a lot of ways, they're like right. some of the first female. Canadian Olympic champions. Yeah. I think they might at be at that if level. You include it.
1: At that level, for sure. Like to, the first female champions, like at that high of a level. Yeah,
0: yeah. I don't know what Canada Canada's first Olympic gold for a woman is, but I, if if you included this, I think this is it potentially. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah, I'd assume. Like, have to I'd assume it's a winter sport. I'd assume like skiing or something.
0: Maybe. Yeah. That's I what I, I. That's just. That's just a guess. Who's to say? Who's to say? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> The, the internet, if we asked, but... Yeah.
1: <laughs> we can ask the Google later.
0: <laughs> yeah, so this is, like, unrecognized on the medal podium um, because women's basketball does not become an official Olympic sport until 1976 yeah. at Montreal. Yeah,
1: which I I know that because it was in Montreal where it became a, an official sport. Um, I believe... I don't know for sure. Someone in Paul's family went. Like his dad oh, or okay. his uncle or something was like, I think it was his dad because he was in Toronto at the time.
0: Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And I've got to imagine that Canada was really like pulling to have basketball become one because it's a Canadian invented sport. And they're like, we're going to be hosting the summer Olympics. We yeah. should have Basketball be, a but sport. only
1: men's. I'm assuming probably not women's. At this
0: time, I, I think it's women. It's women's basketball specifically became official there. Oh, okay. So, so it it I don't know both, if I guess men's might have been a bit earlier. Uh, I don't.
1: I, th- I feel like it wasn't much. I don't know. Who's to say? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Traditionally, the grads are considered to have played 522 games total. So like Woof. their their record is 522 games, and they won 502 games. So, over the course of over like 20 years, they only lost 20 games. One a year. That's That's incredible. (laughs) It's insane. Um, That is crazy. However these numbers have been challenged so the author of The Grads Are Playing Tonight, M. Ann Hall or Hall, excuse me um, she wrote this book and according to her the grads played over 400 games during the 25 years as a team losing 20. She explains that the higher number of 522 includes games played by the McDonald commercial junior and senior high teams. So she so traditionally Uh, because there was a Feeder system and they do kind of like one just transitions and becomes the next. They right. combine the records of all these games. Almost like you're considering the
1: specific players, like who played yeah. for the Edmonton Graz. Yeah, yeah. So that makes sense
0: in her perspective, though. As a club, they only played around 400 games. That right. being said, they still only lost 20 games. Like that's accurate, which is wild.
3: <laughs> it's so that always happens in sports. People have titles like Wayne Like all the people back in the day, they still try and challenge that those records now yeah I think because the rules are different the gear is different everything's different yeah. and they
1: try and like even it out it's Well, just like, that's, let them have it it's why it's so hard to argue like the greatest athlete of all time just because things change so much like if you especially yeah. like when you see the last dance like if you compare like a basketball player um like michael jordan and a basketball mm-hmm. player like kobe bryant it's Two completely different like it's it's a different game like it's a different skill set it's a different mentality you had a different upbringing like Michael Jordan didn't have access to like the incredible like sports stadium and like upbringing through the sport that Kobe Bryant did so it's it's difficult to like judge what makes a better like natural athlete.
0: Yeah. And I think with the grads, especially, they're not only like establishing what it takes to be a great basketball player. They're also simultaneously having to like fight as women to say that like sporting is legitimate, like our record and our participation in this sport is just as impressive as anyone else's. It's not just because we're women that this was like easy for us. Like we're the only women trying. So that means it was like a really easy thing for us to do.
1: Yeah. Like I
0: think The fact, like, the sheer quantity of games they played Mm. shows how many challengers they had. Right. And, like, that... So many, like, women's and men's teams really stand on their shoulders of, like, you can make this a legitimate sport.
1: I would argue that it's probably one of those things where even when they were playing teams in Europe and they were playing teams in the States, you know, you're all kind of this first group of people doing this. Like, Mm -hmm. that's got to be a pretty cool
0: feeling. Yeah. Like, to be the
1: first group of women who are, like, breaking
0: this barrier. It's cool. Mm -hmm. Like, the only thing I can compare it to is, like... Like, I remember when, like, Sean White was really cool for, like, snowboarding and stuff. Like, I've got to imagine that, like, basketball to a a huge, like, a generation of people was like, why are these people taking this thing so seriously? But it's like having, like, (laughs) skateboarding or, like, snowboarding added to the Olympics. It's, like, very, like, validating, but also, like, wow, it's, like, insanely impressive what these guys are doing. Oh, 100%. They had it worse
3: in sometimes. Come on.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Like, <laughs> oh, watch the movie A League
1: of Their Own, the road rash they get I from, have seen that. oh, the, like the butt scrapes they get from wearing those skirts. Imagine the floor burn. The floor burn,
0: absolutely. Like,
1: yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> and and also, today they've got sleeves on and leg sleeves on. Like, they are scared <laughs> of that. They are scared of that hardwood floor. Yeah. These ladies wearing little skirts. Little no skirts. <laughs> <laughs> Ouch. <laughs>
0: In 1940, the Edmonton grads, uh, they disbanded. So, Why? like No one ever defeats them, but Why? they disband as a team. Uh, there are several reasons for this decision, Linnea. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, I don't like it. Which included losing their arena, so they lost their venue, which had been taken over by the government for the Air Force Commonwealth Training Program. Oh my so God. we have now entered World War II. Ugh. Everything has to be diverted I get for the it. home front. Wartime conditions made travel difficult and led to the cancellation of many competitions in Canada, the United States, and in Europe. Moreover, there were few teams good enough to compete with the grads. Finally, attendance at games had declined, and in 1940, um, Percy was elected to provincial government. So Percy is also like... I'm moving on, guys. I'm moving on, ladies. <laughs> I have I have other hopes, wishes, dreams. All this. good things must come to an end. Yeah. yeah. I need to father other people, you know? Like yeah. I need to be a dad to so many. Like I
1: get it. It wasn't like they had this prolific struggle and it's like they never won. And he was just like, Oh, I gotta go. Like, yeah, they're it's like, like you've I've I've caught you all I can. Yeah, they're pulling a <laughs> well, Barry Sanders. They they're too. like top yeah. of their game, and they're yeah. like, We're
0: gonna go out, guys. Yeah. 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 <laughs>
2: I like that going Birdies. out on top.
0: Yeah, yeah, going out on top. <laughs> Percy would wind up serving in the Alberta legislature from nineteen fourteen t- or forty, excuse me, till nineteen fifty-nine. And then he became the lieutenant governor of Alberta from nineteen fifty-nine to nineteen sixty-six. So he goes and has no. this like really big pro- political career. I like that guy. Yeah, he's cool. <laughs> yeah. In nineteen sixty-one, he <laughs> was Papa made Papa Perse. Papa Papa Page. Oh Papa Page, Papa Papa right. Page. <laughs> In 1961, he was made a Knight of Grace of the Most Venerable, venerable Order of the <laughs> Hospital of St. John of Jerusalem. <laughs> The more letters, the more important it is. That's the longest title I've ever heard in my life. That's Of Jerusalem, of Jerusalem, Jewish. I don't 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 understand. He is he's from New York, maybe. He's from I don't know. He's a New New Yorker. Jewish. New Yorker. Be Jewish. I don't know. Also, in 1961, he was awarded an honorary Doctor of Law degree from the University of Alberta. Their rival. They like, they like bow down.
3: <laughs> Papa Page. Papa Page. Papa Page.
0: <laughs> the J. Percy Page School in Edmonton is also named in his honor. So there's now like a school there for him named That's after cool. him. Although the That's team discovered. That's how you know you've made it. You get a <laughs> postage
1: stamp or you get a school named after you. That's what I've yeah. discovered being on this podcast. Yeah. Postage stamps are huge, and especially in Canada. Yeah. Like, that really means that you have. <laughs> You are elite. You are part of the elite.
0: <laughs> if there's like some like boy with a binder that has your postage stamp in yeah. there, you've made it. <laughs> you've made
3: it. There's hope for us. Oh, someday. rivaling queen. And queen.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, we can't stamp. love that. <laughs> a
1: purple postage Anna, stamp. And a minute women.
0: Yeah. Yeah. A BMV yeah. media postage stamp collection. Yeah. <gasps> Commemorative coins! coins. Oh my oh. God. Oh my God. <laughs> I want, uh-huh. I want one of those like, we want the coins. Mint of Canada. Yes. Like the, Royal the little mint commercials thing. though. Oh my God. It's like, the Royal Mint of Canada <laughs> is proud to present this beautifully, like, <laughs> this beautifully curated, curated collection of, of coins. <laughs> Seven quarters. <laughs> <laughs> it's a part of our heritage. Collectively, <laughs> it's worth about 250 <laughs> Pay us $50 for it. <laughs> that sounds perfect. <laughs> I'm in. <laughs> oh, these will they're... never lose their value. <laughs> <laughs> They'll only go up. Th- these will only appreciate in value. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't a car. <laughs> Oh, drive it off the lot. <laughs> 25 down.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah, seriously. Uh,
0: although the team disbanded, it did support the formation of two other women's basketball teams. So because yeah. the club goes under, there are still players who are like, we still want to play. So they go yeah. and make their own teams. I like that. Um so they created the Comets and the Starlets. uh, There are several grads who went and played for the Comets, um, which would go on to compete for titles at the provincial, national and international levels. So the Comets really were the ones that like took up the mantle of the grads. Mm. However, uh, they did. They never really achieved the same success as the grads. In 1941, um, one of the players, McRitchie, moved to Vancouver and joined the Headlums, who dominated women's basketball in Canada for the next few years. Oh, very cool. So it's actually like a Vancouver team that becomes the next big thing. Very cool. As the most successful women's basketball team of the early 20th century, the Edmonton grads made news headlines across North America and as far away as Hong Kong and the Philippines. You don't say. You don't say. <laughs> Their success had a strong impact on public attitudes towards female athletes making it more socially acceptable for women to play sports. The grads' national basketball championship in 1932 was essential to the Edmonton Rustlers women's hockey team, helping them gain support to travel east and play the Preston Rivlets for the national hockey title. Very
1: cool. So, like... Girls supporting... Women supporting
0: women. Women supporting women. Like, there were just, like, the presence of the grads in Edmonton made it okay for women to join other sports and, like... Ooh, yeah, be like, awesome. look, we're like a legitimate team. You should they, send they, us they, to these tournaments. That's cool. Yeah. That's cool. When the Canadian press polled sportscasters and sports editors across the country in 1950, the grads were voted Canada's greatest basketball team of the first half of the 20th century. In 1976, the grad's success was designated as a national historic event. Two days later, Parks Canada dedicated a plaque to the team's honor. In 1983, Canada Basketball Hall of Fame inducted the entire roster of 38 players. That's so cool. In 1987, the National Film Board released a documentary about the team called Shooting Stars. <laughs>
1: oh, that's cool. I love that. <laughs> that's Let's cute. watch it. We should that's
0: watch cute. it. Yeah. I know. I was just
3: thinking, why haven't I seen this?
0: <laughs> in the late 1980s, the city of Edmonton established Edmonton Grad's Park in Westmount, installing a permanent historical display. In Hear t- that, Mark? Westmount. Westmount. But not your Westmount. Not (laughs) Mark's (laughs) Westmount. In 1910, the Women's Basketball Hall of Fame in Knoxville, Tennessee, commemorated the grads with an honorary plaque. In 2014, Canada Basketball launched its first Edmonton Grads International Classic event, named in honor of the grads. Taking place every two years, this event has pitted Canada's national basketball team against teams from Brazil, China, and Turkey, uh, a non-for-profit organization called the Edmonton Grads Basketball Center currently operates out of Sackville Center in Edmonton. Still today? Yeah, yeah. Like they, oh, they're still very I much love like that. they. Their name is kind of invoked a lot to yeah. support women's sports Not and I'm basketball with a lot. Yeah. basketball. Yeah. Love that. Um, so this organization, it, it runs summer basketball programs for girls. So cool. Um, there's a mural for them in the town as well. Um, and on July 23rd, 2018, that was when the last surviving member of the grads passed away at the age of 96. So wow. until 2018, there were wow. still like Edmonton grads
3: Ugh. among like us. Like someone's grandma. Recently. Yeah.
0: Oh. Literally, like imagine. Like, it's like, what'd you do growing up? Grandma's like, oh, I was just on like the greatest women's basketball team ever. No big deal. Of <laughs> all time. Of all time. A That's trailblazer amazing. for all women. Yeah. Love that. Their fame and success are particularly significant given concerns at the time about women's involvement in sport. Although many historians consider the 1920s a golden age of women's sport, with the emergence of teams like the grads and individual athletes like Fannie Bobby Rosenfield and Ethel Catherwood, some, of can- some Canadians disapproved of female athleticism. Percy's emphasis on ladylike behavior reflected concern that sports were too strenuous for women and that vigorous physical activity could have negative physical or moral consequences on women. The team's reputation for athletic excellence, but also ladylike behavior, helped promote the positive aspects of women's sporting endeavors and served as an inspiring example for the many female athletes who would follow. So it's like his emphasis on ladylike behavior is kind of like a defense mechanism for the team. Yeah, Like he's like, these girls should play sport. Like, it's not like, I, I don't think it's like there was an option to be like the bad girls of sport. It's right. like either you play sports or you just don't. And yeah. so I think like him having that mantra was really like, it protected them it protected and them. let them have their team, which I think is really beautiful. I like that. Yeah. Um, and as a final note, From our boy, James Naismith. He wrote a letter to the girls in 1936. (laughs) No, he didn't. Shut up. He did. He reached out to them. He said, quote, You are not only an inspiration to basketball players throughout the world, but a model for all girls teams. Your attitude and success have been a source of gratification to me in illustrating the possibilities of the game in the development of the highest type of womanhood. Oh yeah. damn. What that's a poet. Cute. And that's the story of the Edmonton grads. I love the it. The Canadian
3: basketball heroes. Yeah, I know. had,
0: like, never heard of them, really. I, I had, had heard of them. Through your grandma. Pre,
1: yeah, pre, my not real grandma, my fake grandma.
0: Fake grandma. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I had heard of them, but uh, that's that's so cool. Yeah, I love that.
0: Thank you so much to Sarah and Ashley from Rival and Queen for joining us today. Oh, it made God. today's
1: episode so special. It did. I've been so excited for this for this collaboration for this episode and of course naturally grace picked perfect episode uh, to have the girls on for. So uh, super happy about that. (laughs) Yeah. So thank you ladies really so much for being here and we can't wait to come onto your show and do another little collaboration. So So do you guys want to like
0: tell everybody where they can find you and where they can listen to rival queen?
3: Well, you can find us on where you can listen to any podcast really (laughs) and, on social media at Rival and Queen.
2: And you can awesome. find our website at rivalandqueen.com. Yes. Everything's there.
1: If you thank find you. Rival and Queen and there's lots and lots of purple, you found the girls. You
0: found the girls. So, uh, purple purple is the yes. name of the game. Yeah. Purple's my we favorite color. So Amazing. I love it. I love it.
3: Thank you guys. This was so much fun and I learned so much.
1: Oh, good. Well, yeah, we're thank so you happy. Yeah, thank for having us. Yes, how, for those of um. Our listeners who don't know, uh, Halifax, uh, Nova Scotia has gone into another lockdown uh, because of COVID. And so the girls are joining us via distance tonight, which is a little bit sad because we were all going to be in the studio, but uh, it's better to stay safe. And uh, for anyone in the HRM area, Dalhousie University has been doing rapid testing. I believe they're going to continue doing rapid testing. Uh, If you are asymptomatic, uh, meaning not showing any symptoms uh, and you, Don't, haven't knowingly yeah, been in you haven't knowingly been exposed. You haven't knowingly been exposed. Uh, we totally recommend you go. Grace and I went yesterday and had a really incredible experience. So thank you so much, Shadal yeah. for putting that on. That was awesome. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Minute Women Podcast. We appreciate it, and we also appreciate your opinions, your voice, you telling us what you like and don't like. So please feel free to shoot us our, a message on any of our social media. We are on Instagram at Minute Women Podcast and Facebook under the same name, and then we are on Twitter at the Minute Women. We also have a website with information about all of the episodes including all of the sources they're all posted there as well as information about grace and i and our email address so if you want to tell us anything let us know anything that way uh please check it out and that's www.minutewomenpodcast.ca
0: And make sure you subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you listen to us on. Download the episodes and make sure that you leave us a review. That mostly means Apple Podcasts because you're the only platform that can really leave effective reviews. But leave us a star rating. Let us know what you like about the episodes. And make sure that if you have friends who are like interested in podcasts or whatever, let them know. Tell them like a nice little thing about us. Share it with your friends. Then you can all like talk about heritage minutes and talk about the podcast together. It's a great time. Word of mouth best review always. Always. All right. See you next week.
1: Bye.